0: few 100,000 watts of power, but it's up to you to put them to work. This is the John Adams Radio Show. (music) Bringing you truth, justice, and the American way of making money. I'm John Adams. Seated firmly in the free enterprise chair, speaking directly into the golden EMR microphone, this is Excellence in Money Radio. Coming to you live from an undisclosed location in a bunker somewhere in the southeastern United States, perhaps Southern Command headquarters on beautiful St. Simons Island, the crown jewel of Georgia's coastal empire. Thence broadcast 23,300 miles directly into outer space. This week, affiliates, SATCOM 5. Thence rebroadcast all across the fruited plain to our vast EMR network. 331 stations plus the island of Guam. That's just the way it is. I am thrilled to have you with us for this special edition of the John Adams Radio Show. Let not your hearts be troubled. We will solve your real estate problems today. And let me tell you, we have got so much to cover today, there's no possible way we're going to get to it all. This is unbelievable. Wait till you see today's agenda. It is, uh, it's off the hook. This is outrageous. I need to warn you before this program begins that the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the opinion of station management, but they should because This program makes more sense than anything else out there right now. Glad to have you with us. And uh, thank you for taking a little time off on your Saturday morning. Special thank you to our sponsors Dr. Peter Burke with his easy to remember phone number at Reliant Mortgage Solutions. Of course, our friend Bill Preston out American Comfort Heating, Cooling, and Air Quality, and the Landlord Survival Guide, all new for 2021, reflective of changes made in court interpretations. And, you know, there's so many things that change constantly. If you're using a lease from five years ago and you get in front of a judge, he's going to say, well, I won't enforce this and you may lose a thousand dollars in late fees because the judge thinks it's punitive and back then it was okay now it's not so now we have to add the right language which of course we have done but only if you have the 2021 version so i'm happy for everybody it does a lot of things for you uh not the least of which is stay out of prison by the way, my neighbor just left out of our driveway um, driving his brand new Tesla. Uh, is anybody else not? I mean, I, I don't want a Tesla. The thing's going to break, and they they're quite expensive, aren't they? I don't know. In any case, killer lease comes with the landlord survival guide. It's all up to date. I want you to have it. And if all this program did was help you avoid one turnover, if it allowed you to keep one tenant for a full more year and not have to deal with that, would that what would that be worth to you? I'm suggesting it's worth several thousand dollars. Don't be penny wise and pound foolish. Or dollar foolish. So the question is, who is John Adams and why should you listen to me? And that's a very good question. Well, there are a number of reasons. I've never been arrested. I've never been bankrupt, although I have been close, but perhaps most importantly, I am trustworthy. And that's because I am an Eagle Scout and I'm a proud Eagle Scout. The mailbag this week had mail from one of our listeners, one of our fellow investors, and a fellow Eagle Scout from the 60s. And I'm not sure what year my award was. I'll bet somebody knows at Atlanta Area Council. I may have to check on that. I'm guessing it was 71. Maybe. I don't. I can't. Uh, That's been a long time, boys and girls. But in any case, um, you know, once you're an Eagle Scout, you really take these things to heart. And uh, I think there's something to be said for being trustworthy and saying that you're going to be trustworthy. Um, Anyway, the mailbag this week contained a missive... Not a missile, a missive. Uh, that's that's a communication for those of you in Smyrna. A missive from a fellow Eagle Scout who said my son is in what was he Phoenix, and said he's uh, prices are the market so hot there that the sun is getting priced out of the market. And what will we do about it? Well, I'm going to reply today that um, my fellow Eagle Scout, the father needs to get in touch with someone at the Phoenix Real Estate Investors Association and see if the son can't um, network and and get together with like-minded individuals who are investing in real estate and see if he can pick off a bargain because they sure are out there But anyway, the point here is that there are always bargains waiting to be had if you'll just look for them and be prepared to act. Now, what have we got for today? Ooh, this is a great quote and it's from one of my favorite authors, Napoleon Hill, who said, any impulse of thought which is repeatedly passed on to the subconscious mind is finally accepted and acted upon. And I don't know if if you're a, I, I believe we have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. Here's a book that I've read so many times, it's just about falling apart. So I have to have rubber bands around it, but it's called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy, and it really, does a great job of explaining the relationship between your, the front of your brain, which is sort of the driver, and the back of your brain, which really doesn't know what's going on except what it's told. And one of the things I have done um, to help improve my life is I spend less time watching the news now. The news is just a constant series of disasters that go from bad to worse. And I'm not gonna sit around and dwell on it all day because I think it tells my subconscious mind, you know, everything's terrible. And I also am moving to eliminate from my life people that are emotionally negative. I don't want to be around people who are negative. Oh, that won't work. What the heck do they know? I can't tell you how many people have told me over the years, you know, that investing in real estate, that was fine uh, 20 years ago when you got started, but you can't do it now. Yes, yes, you can. What is wrong with these people? Uh, Great quote. And the motto of our show, of course, From Mr. Warren Buffett, who's looking spiffy there, I might say somebody combed his hair. Look at that, Margie. Uh, Margie and I had the good fortune to meet Mr. Buffett. He had just gotten off the plane in, I guess it was Orlando. Yeah, I think it was. And um, we were, um, I was speaking at a convention of carpet uh, retailers on financial planning, and guess who bought the company while we were all at this convention? Warren Berkshire Hathaway bought it, and he flew down to get up on stage and assure the retailers that nothing would change. So he got up and spoke. when he got off the plane, he looked like a homeless person. <laughs> his, his suit was completely ruffled, And his hair was, he looked like Albert Einstein's. So Margie combed his hair for him, made him look a little more presentable. Uh, We all know the truth about real estate. Landlords do indeed grow rich in their sleep. And oh, here's a picture. This is sort of hard to believe, isn't it? Can you see this? Look at that. That is me and Margie with Warren Buffett. Is his hair crazy? Yeah, it's a little bit, but clearly you have, have helped him there. Anyway, this was taken, gee whiz, I, I don't see a date, 2001 is what it looks like. And me and Margie and Warren Buffett, look at me, I've got hair and everything. And this guy over here is the president of um, the carpet company. whose name I cannot seem to remember. I've got to figure all that out. Anyway, um, landlords grow rich in their sleep. And that's not me saying that. This was uh, 19th century John Stuart Mill said this, and this was in England, it's true, it's even truer in the United States. And the strategy that I advocate is pretty simple, buy a house a year for 10 years, Put them into service one at a time, and guess what? After about ten years, you're not going to have to work anymore. That's just the way it works. So this, and and what I always tell people is, this is not rocket science. Okay, you don't don't overthink this. It's pretty simple, and and that's what we have been trying to stress at our kick-ass seminar, which is every Tuesday at, when did I say seven? Yes, Tuesday at seven or Wednesday at three. I do it again live, I answer questions. We had a great presentation this week and there will only be one more of the Kick-Ass series coming up this Tuesday at seven and this Wednesday at three. So if you want to sign up, Go to real uh, go to realestatecoffeebreak.com forward slash. I don't know if it's kick or kick, kick start. I don't know. Margie will figure it out. Send Margie a note and ask her. She'll tell you. Okay. But it's not rocket science. Um, let's see. Oh, wait till you see what's on today's agenda. This is incredible. We've got so much to deal with. Just in the first hour, we've got a landlord who is now homeless. We have list pendants. Margie, I'm gonna ask you to do taxes first. Is that okay? Okay. Um, we need to talk about list pendants. We need to talk about market inefficiency and the five D's of real estate. And we need to talk about finding deals. Um, I also wanna show you a website I found and we probably will not get to once again, uh, Credit Karma and Wago Connectors, but I've got them there if we need them. And then in the second hour, we've got lots to talk about. Um, um, there's just lots going on. So it's, this is just gonna wear us out. Why don't we do this? I'm gonna turn things over to Margie now and turn off the video of myself and ask her to talk to you guys a little bit about tax due date. All right, I'm leaving the camera on. Okay, you can turn it off please. Well, turning the camera off. The golden EMR microphone is active. Okay.
1: Okay, well, as I'm sure you all have heard, uh, the IRS filing deadline has been changed from April uh, 15th to May 17th. Um, let's see, hold on. I'm trying to get my slides. Uh, at any rate, that extends the time to both file uh, and to pay any taxes that you owe. Um, So there won't be penalties starting. um, There we go. New share. Hold on. There we go. All right. All right. So the last day to file your taxes is now May 17th. Instead, because I'm assuming the 15th falls on a holiday or a Saturday. Um, And again, it's because of the pandemic. So you've got an extra month. So they just announced this uh, on March 17th, which was St. Patrick's Day. Um, And they said that they will be providing more formal guidance in the coming days, but that's what we know for right now. Um, You don't have to file anything to get that extension of one month. Um, If you need time to file beyond that, you can file Form 4868, uh, and there's a free file link on at irs.gov. Um, and there are a number of benefits to filing that extension, but I don't have time to go into those today. Um, that Filing that extension form gives you until October 15th to file your 2020 taxes, but it does not extend the time to pay. So the interest and penalties will start on May 17th if you don't pay all the taxes due. Um, Georgia has uh, extended it also. Um, there was some, I mean, nobody knew immediately what was going to happen, but the at dor.georgia.gov, they say that they have extended to May 17th without penalties or interest. Um, retirement plan contributions, we don't know completely yet. But normally the April 15th income tax deadline is the IRA contribution deadline for, for making your contribution. So probably May 17th will be the, I'm sorry, that should be 2020 uh, IRA contribution deadline, but they have not given us guidance. Um, and that does not apply to 401ks. So um, that's it, John. Let's see. John's not back yet. Um, Tax deductions, just keep in mind that any ordinary and necessary expense of doing business, and that includes if you're self-employed, it's deductible against your self-employment income, or if you have rental property, it's deductible against your rental property. But the, the key here is, you need to think about it every time you spend something and you need to know the rules so that you know, you, know, you can't just count on your tax person because you need to know them as you're doing things during the year. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Stop share. There you go.
0: Special thank you to our in-house accounting firm some of you have commented on my very attractive pink shirt and i don't know that i've ever had a pink shirt before but i am wearing it today in honor of the return of spring in fact this is one of my favorite times of the year. The flowers are coming up, the trees are blossoming, all this is going on. So this is a good time for us to talk uh, about a landlord who has become homeless. And I want you to see this, this is just shocking. We're gonna go right over here. Huh. All right, we'll try that and see what this does. Hey, I think that worked. Oh, son of a gun. I never have figured this thing out. All right, here we go. We're gonna put the cursor right over here. And oh, we're gonna talk about also why is HUD anti-investor? Why do they hate us? Why do the heathen rage? Um, Let's go to 216 enter. Wow. Marsh, did you see that? Pretty cool, huh? All right, this was uh, our good friend George Kelichak shared this with me. George is a font of wisdom and uh, lives somewhere in eastern middle Georgia in a a hole in the ground. I'm not sure. I don't know. He's got a backhoe, uh, and he may very well have dug that. uh, I think he's in like a hobbit hole or something, I don't know, he tried to get me to buy one one time. But in any case, George, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Look at this, this is in the New York Post, landlord homeless, unable to evict deadbeat tenant, thanks to COVID law. Wow, has it come to this? The answer is yes, it has. Now you think the CDC order is bad, guess what? Guess what, it's worse in New York City, which, what? So here is the house. Margie, you remember that place we tried to stay? It looks just like this. Margie and I got caught in Brooklyn one night. We were flying to, uh, where, oh, it was Queens. Um, But this is very typical of attached, detached structures in New York City. Anyway, believe it or not, this is a duplex. And um, this is just the story is unbelievable, but I'll read it to you because I want you to know about it. A Brooklyn homeowner unable to evict an allegedly deadbeat tenant because of new state housing laws claims she has been forced to live in her car for weeks. Shauna, I guess that's Eccles, Eccles, I'm going to say Eccles, age 30, says in court papers she sleeps on the couches of friends and relatives whenever she can and in her four-door Toyota when she can't. After fighting and failing for months to evict Sharita Patterson 33 from the two-family home in Carnarcy I'm not familiar with I don't know if that's a subdivision or what quote there's no one I can stay with until I am able to evict and all of my money covers the mortgage water bill and property taxes Eccles told the New York Post. If anything gets cut off, it will be considered an illegal eviction. I have no additional funds to rent an apartment. How how is that? That's because she checked a box, the, the tenant checked a box on a hardship declaration form, claiming she's been financially impacted by COVID-19 and is unable to move, this is unbelievable, under the new rules New Yorkers had until February 26th to fill out the form. And by the way, this is not the same form, folks, as the CDC declaration. That's an entirely additional form. Leave it to New York to have their own form. I'm, I'll bet Bill de Blasio had something to do with this. Um, fill out the form, which automatically pauses their evictions indefinitely. Patterson who allegedly owes $14,700 could grief, in back rent on the two bedroom pad, bought a new car during the pandemic. <laughs> If I had an extra $14,700, I would buy a new car too. Why not? So the owner is homeless, but the tenant, who's no longer having to pay rent, went out and bought a new car. Um, Eccles bought the two-story semi-detached duplex on East 91st Street for about $477 thousand dollars in february spending her savings to renovate it turning the somewhat rundown barely 1500 square foot structure into an updated modern home patterson the tenant who was supposed to pay 2100 a month that would pay for a nice car was her first tenant all right what this says to me kids oh here's the landlord She's now homeless and sleeps in her car, which we found out was a four-door Toyota. Thank goodness it's not a two-door. I I don't know what the difference, I mean. Anyway, she sleeps in her car in the driveway of her own home while her non-paying tenant gets to live in comfort on the inside. And listen to this comment by Eccles, the owner's lawyer. This case highlights a terrible lack of balance between the rights of landlords and tenants in New York City and is a prime example of the state government's failure to properly address the housing situation. Duh! Duh! Why do you think we don't want to own property in New York? At least in Georgia, we have some landlord rights. And by the way, I would challenge the constitutionality just as um, a judge in Texas ruled against this, a federal appeals court judge in Texas ruled against the CDC agency order banning certain evictions. Yes, that's being appealed, but at least it's being litigated. I would do exactly the same thing, except I don't think it makes any difference in New York. The prices, I don't see how these people can ever, how can you pay $477,000 for a duplex and expect it to cash flow? I, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe if she was living in one unit and renting the other, that would help with the payments, but yikes. So uh, th- there is a terrible lack of balance, and I just bring that to everybody's attention. Um, let's see. It is 11:29. Um, Margie is is our friend Dr. Peter Burke around? See, we'll see if he is because I'd like to get him ready. And in the meantime, I want to talk about, Um, when we talk about raising money for financing and a down payment, you have a lot of options, some of which are creative financing, some of which are not. Going to the bank is not creative. You have to qualify for it and all that good stuff. However, I have ranked here from what I consider to be best to worst. Um, and that's sort of, um, I, I can't really categorize, I can't explain to you why I think I put them in this order. Maybe it's just my experience. Maybe it's just because of the way I did it uh, and continue to do it. But let's go through them real quick. A seller financing. I'm always looking for a seller who can afford to be flexible on their price or their terms or both in order to accomplish their objective. And in many cases, the objective is just to get rid of the property. It's become a burden. Okay. Loan assumption. Now I put the word caution by it because there's nothing illegal about assuming a non-assumable mortgage. Trust me, the bank just wants the money. They're not. They don't. They don't have like a mortgage policeman down in the mailroom saying, "Hey, John Adams sent in a check, and he this isn't his mortgage. How, how did? Why did he send a check? They don't care as long as the check clears and it's the right amount. They're happy. But it is potentially an event of default." under the security deed. So, and I didn't sign the security deed, so I haven't done anything. All I'm doing is paying somebody else's mortgage for them, which is I think very nice of me. So on number two here, I put caution because there is a possibility that the lender, if they chose to, could eventually declare an event of default, give you an opportunity to pay off the loan um, give you an opportunity to apply, probably, to take over payments. But barring all of that, there is a possibility eventually they could foreclose and take that property away from you. I've never heard of that actually happening, but apparently it is an option. But there's nothing illegal. Next, non-participating short-term lenders. This is like where a doctor says, I'll loan you 100000 bucks for six months, to buy the house, fix it up, put me on as uh, first or second mortgage on the property. So and keep me posted. At the end of six months, he makes eight percent, which is pretty good. You know, eight percent per annum. So for six months, he's made 4%, four percent, four thousand bucks. That's a lot better than the doctors getting elsewhere. Your home equity line of credit. I really like home equity lines of credit because they are so flexible and you only pay interest on the money that you have working for you they just give you a checkbook for up to what your line of credit is so i like that uh your cash from refinancing this is a little less attractive because you're going through traditional lenders here but if you can lock in 30 years at a good rate that's not a bad deal either your retirement assets. I shouldn't have put that all the way down at number six. I guess the reason I put it there is because it is a more sophisticated technique. Um, And this is not something you want to start out with on day one. I think you need to learn about it starting out very early. Because the sooner you start putting money into a solo 401k and the sooner you start having self employment income, the better your retirement is going to look. And there are now legally all manner of creative things you can legally do that the IRS has already signed off on for the most part. So, um, number six, and the worst of all financing and down payment plans is to say, well, I'm going to bring in a partner or we're going to have four friends get together and we're going to buy this rundown old house and we're going to fix it up together and we're going to sell it together and we'll split all the profits. And invariably, it doesn't work out invariably one of the four has, they end up marrying somebody in Dallas. And so they have to move to Dallas. So they didn't do any of the work. Are they entitled? They did put down 25% of the cash and signed on a note or something, but they're not on title. So what happens? Well, invariably these types of friends, partnerships uh, don't work out and the reason they don't work out is that life just sort of happens um, from time to time and after after peter and i talk um, we're going to take a look at a a letter that i got this will be just like dragnet how many people remember dragnet Peter, do you remember? Yes, I thought you did. Um, I am now watching the old, old, old 1951 dragnets. I found them on something like WE TV. And and uh, what's that guy's name? Jack Webb. He he's like 19. And oh, this is before Colonel Potter went to work as a policeman, which is sort of confusing. But anyway, um, the names will be changed to protect the innocent. And um, speaking of which, this is a good time for us to talk to Peter Burke. Peter, are you with me?
2: I am. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. How are how, you?
0: How are you today? You look, I am good. You look chipper. I am chipper. I am
3: chipper.
0: Not noticed, I noticed I noticed you eyeing my pink shirt today. I have a question. Yes, Peter, go ahead. You used to give
2: advice when you had re- tenants that weren't cooperating or paying that involved something along the lines of sending them a letter that you would uh, be over on Wednesday to remove the front door and the toilets for servicing. And, uh, and that would make the home uninhabitable. And, and I know we always chuckled when you use that as an example, but why can't that landlord um, do something? What stops that landlord from doing something
0: like that? That is called a constructive eviction. Um, Even though the person theoretically could still live there without a toilet or without a front door, the courts would say that the actions of the landlord constituted a self-help eviction, which is under common law uh, prohibited. And of course, each state addresses it in its own way but it's considered a constructive eviction if realistically it would be hard for you to live there based on the actions of your landlord. So there's nothing illegal about saying you're going to do it. And that's what I suggested. I didn't say to actually do it.
2: Right. I, I, I believe you're correct.
0: And, and in fact, the, if, if you knew that the person worked during the day, there would actually be nothing wrong with removing the front door and taking a picture of yourself standing beside the front door and beside the opening and sending it to the tenant at work, provided it was in, reinstalled and put back the way it was by the time they got back and i have not done that but that sounds like a good idea to me yeah. peter what what are your thoughts on the poor homeless landlord in brooklyn it, it's a
2: travesty you know it's um, it's putting someone in a very difficult situation i can somewhat see both sides of the story but when you mention... the
0: manage- tenant the tenant bought a new car right and the landlord, the owner of the property, is sleeping in a four-door Toyota.
2: I hear you. And the laws say she's got uh, the right not to pay rent type. I don't know exactly what that uh, law you're referencing, but I understand it. I mean, I understand the situation. I don't know if I agree with it.
0: I've never seen the inside of a Tesla. My neighbor just bought one but I think I'd be much more comfortable sleeping inside a Tesla than I would inside a four-door Toyota. Correct. Yeah. So I don't know. Let's talk about mortgages. You told me that there was going to be some sort of disaster on Friday from which mankind might never recover.
2: Well, I don't like to travel in rumors too much but I believe changes are on the horizon and um, it may or may not be um, serious for most borrowers, but the reality is it will probably impact investors uh, based upon uh, interest rates. I think there'll be a, what's the word for a, penalty per, I can't recall the word that, uh, but I, I suspect Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will impose penalty adjustments if they're going to be uh, buying uh, investor mortgages as a way to tamp down the volume, which of course get passed on to the lender who's underwriting the loan, which of course get passed down to the borrower.
0: Well. And, and we're talking about non-owner occupant loans. Is that right?
2: Correct. And um, I, I heard it's involved second homes.
0: Wow. Um, the question I have, which is on our screen, is one which you and I have batted around before, but um, HUD and GSEs in general have an anti-investor tone to them. And and I find it, I'm starting, I'm, I'm closing in on it, Peter. We're going to call it investor suppression. Yeah. Yeah. They want to suppress investing. And I would submit that here are some of the benefits that the community reaps from having an investor come in and fix up a house and either flip it or rent to a nice tenant. And not the least of which is number nine the property taxes go up, not just on that house, but on the entire neighborhood. And if the investor sells the property, they have to pay income taxes, or they're certainly subject to the income tax system. And I just think we need a department of um, house investment advice, and I should be the new secretary. Yeah. You know, um,
2: one thing we overlook that um, there are alternatives um, to Fannie and Freddie buying pools of mortgages. And an example, and I'm going to go a little bit above my pay grade, is someone like Penny Mac which also securitizes loans and they're not affiliated or a GSE um, with um, uh, Fannie and Freddie, they have to follow rules for providing loans. And one of the big rules is called the ability to repay rule, which came about in the Obama administration where there has to be a good faith effort made to determine that the borrower can pay that loan those alternatives to Fannie and Freddie have to do it. And they've been around forever. And I think the general suspicion is folks like that aren't going to miss an opportunity um, to make a nickel. Um, so, uh, and they're pretty well entrenched in the mortgage industry. Penny Mackin is an example.
0: So uh, if if I, if I come to you and say, Peter, I've got, Fifteen loans showing, mortgage loans showing on my credit report, and I've got a great chance to buy this little rental house, and I've got great credit, Um, and and you believe that there's a, I think they use the phrase reasonable expectation that I'll be able to pay it back. Um, Yeah. um, Can would you shop? Uh, since Fannie Mae's pretty much out there, are you going to go theoretically to Penny Mac? Penny Mac claims to be the second largest um, deliverer of packages of uh, securitized mortgages in the market. I mean, they must be big.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, they were, uh, they used to be part of Countrywide and what's his name?
0: Okay. I remember... uh, yeah. Um, you and I need to get together and talk about my memories of Countrywide. What a fiasco. Yeah, exactly. But um,
2: regardless, you know, if Fannie and Freddie pull back, I would think others say, hey, there's an opportunity here. We can expand our loan programs to cover what Fannie and Freddie has. Um, you know, uh, downside is they might have tighter guidelines or, lower loan to values, maybe modestly higher rates, who knows? Um, uh, So I wouldn't get too overly concerned about it today. Although things like that tend not to happen overnight and they sometimes can come in and out of the market, but
0: who knows? So, and what has generally happened with rates in the last seven to 14 days? You know, uh,
2: we were expecting a bloodbath towards the end of the week after Paul spoke, and uh, it didn't materialize. Bloodbath being rates would shoot up because of all the money flowing through the market. Um, investors are going to demand higher interest rates because of a fear of inflation. It didn't happen over the last three days, but I think we're the the word is expect choppiness. Expect choppiness. We quote a rate to, to, at 10 a.m. you say let me think about it and at one o'clock you say I want to lock it in and we say it's a little bit higher. It happens.
0: It just happens. And, um,
2: so um, forewarned is forearm but I think choppiness is the word over the next few months.
0: Okay and there's still an opportunity for people refinancing? yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 the the interesting thing to me is um and you and i had this discussion uh with our friend who's buying the house in brunswick um lenders are swamped right now yeah that's that's
2: yeah and um it swamped, and we had a change in our new national loan application on March 1st uh, after 25 years of using the old lap loan application. It was revised, and um, inevitably, everyone's computer systems were discovering <laughs> bugs and slowdowns and learning curves. Um, but uh, that new loan app actually goes into a lot of detail and asks the questions that should have been asked on the old one. It's like, whoa, there's some, they added 10 questions. Are you doing a simultaneous transaction? Which inevitably some people are, they're buying two homes with two, and it's ask you, are you doing that right now? And, you know, so uh, very interesting how, uh, things have evolved to they're finally catching up to the questions that we've always been asking.
0: I understand. Well, um, we need to run along here, but I'm going to share, here's a, and this is not a very good picture. This, this was a flip that somebody sent in to me that they did somewhere. And this is what it looked like. This was an investor who was trying to flip this house and they got halfway through and ran out of money. <laughs> so they had to sell it to another investor at a loss. And this is what the house, if I can find it, this is what the house looked like when they finally sold it. And talk about a cute house and a nice addition to the neighborhood. Um, I, You know, you just, when it works, and I realize that there are some unethical people out there, but, Name a field of work in which there is not an unethical person. So I—I I mean, there's some. Uh, I guess it only takes one bad apple. But yes. in any case, Peter Burke, I'm going to find for you. So I have a um, agenda sheet now. Oh yeah! Oh, this is a breakthrough. And yeah. all I all I have to do is put my cursor over here. And then enter this number, and look what pops up. Right, simple to remember five-digit phone number six seven eight five five seven ninety seven fifty nine or O S U J L R W S K Y. Peter Burke, Reliant Mortgage Solutions. If I were listening to this program right now, or watching and seeing my pink shirt. I feel good in this pink shirt. I think I look pretty good in this pink shirt. You know, Peter, it's better to look good than to feel good. And we do, don't we? We do. Make it till you make it. Folks, please call Peter, 678-557-9759. He's there this weekend, and he's there Monday morning. You can text him right now, and he'll call you right back. Peter, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it.
2: Thanks, everybody. Catch you Fantastic. next
0: time. All right, here we go. I want to get right back to this list pendants. And the way I do that is I click on Peter's picture and enter 234. And we were talking a little about different types of funding and financing. You remember that? Okay. Let's forge ahead. Um I want you to understand what a list pendens is. And I had just finished saying before we talked with Peter that um, in partnerships, uh, particularly if it's among friends. And a a group of guys gets together and says, or gals gets together or just friends and says, hey, we'll buy this house together. We'll fix it up together and we'll split the money. The problem is there is almost never a comprehensive partnership agreement. What happens if, and invariably one party is unable for whatever reason to fulfill their responsibility. The other parties become resentful and it falls apart. I got an email from a very nice lady named Emily who said she had done just that and she was a one third owner of the property, but her name was not on the title. Somehow one person of the three had gotten their name on the title and she was just going ahead and selling the property and had told Emily, she was going to get nothing. And Emily is of course unhappy. And she contacted me and said, what? Oh, there's a closing coming up in about a week. And she said, what what should I do? And I'm gonna read to you exactly what I said to her. And the key here is I want you to understand what a pendants is, okay? So this is Real Estate Law 101, and this is, this is to Emily. First, I need you to know that I am not an attorney and cannot give you legal advice. However, I can share with you my thoughts and experience as you plan your course of action. Generally speaking, I. anytime you get to this stage in a dispute, it's probably a good idea to talk to an attorney, okay? My first thought is that the closing attorney needs to be made aware of a possible dispute regarding the disposition of proceeds from the sale of the property. Got it? Just call up the closing attorney. Trust me, the closing attorney does not want there to be a dispute after the closing occurs Uh, they don't want to dispute period but they'd rather resolve it Um, 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 um i recommend that you call and talk to the closing attorney tell him or her the situation let them know it's your intention to assert your claim to your rightful share of the proceeds from sale follow up your phone call with a detailed letter or email to document your concern. Always, 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 in a case like this, if you talk to someone on the phone, at least follow it up with an email Uh, in a situation like this where there's money at stake, I would record the phone call. In Georgia, you have a right to record any phone call if you are a participant. You don't have to have started it. Or receive the call. <clears throat> if you are a participant, you have a right to record it, and you don't have to have a beep in the background, all that jazz. Okay, um, but I would, I really would love to see some sort of documentation like a letter. The smart thing for the closing attorney to do at that point is to negotiate an agreement among the sellers prior to the closing date. This is something that good closing attorneys are aware of. And they typically are good um, negotiators or facilitators of a discussion. And it wouldn't surprise me if the closing attorney would say, let's all do a Zoom meeting and let's see if we can't work out uh, our difficulties here so that we don't have to postpone the closing. Now, assuming that does not happen, assuming there's not a resolution prior to closing, I recommend that you contact a real estate attorney and ask them to file a notice of list pendants. It's L-I-S-P-E-N-D-E-N-S. And that would be filed with a clerk of court, clerk of superior court in the county where the property is located. Your attorney can have the list pendants flash recorded. I know we have some, attorneys out there. And my question is, are most counties in Georgia still flash recording? I was told at one point that some counties were trying to cut back on it because it was using too much staff time. And the reason I ask is the normal recording procedure where you just mail it in can take weeks depending on how far uh, behind whatever the good date is um, for the um, county records. But uh, flash recording gets it recorded on the same day and gives you back the instrument showing proof of recording or yeah, the stamp from the, uh, uh, from the clerk's office. So anyway, your attorney can have the list pendants flash recorded, then your attorney can legally notify all parties of the presence of the list pendants. That action will likely stop the closing dead in its tracks. Now, this is interesting. I did a little research. I thought you'd want to know. List pendants, here, I can change the slide for you. List pendants is a Latin word that means pending lawsuit. In Georgia, um, Lis refers to a notice of a pending lawsuit that is recorded in the local county real estate records. A lis pendens may be filed by either the plaintiff, and in this case, in this case, that would be Emily, um, or defendant, and its purpose is to provide notice of claim involving specific real estate to potential buyers and sellers. Thus. A list pendants is a very powerful tool that may be employed by a partial owner of a property because generally, once a list pendants is filed and properly recorded, any transfer of that property by either party will be subject to the final verdict in the jury in the case, okay? So a list pendants does not technically Prevent a sale um, uh, or a loan, sale of or a loan on real estate, but it does so practically because most prospective buyers, lenders, and certainly title insurers are very reluctant to become involved with a property that could be adversely impacted by a pending lawsuit. And I went on to say I've saved my strongest piece of advice for last. Don't procrastinate, okay? The closer you get to the day of closing, the less likely it is that you will be able to assert your rights in that matter. Folks, um, don't procrastinate. I think procrastination has done more to kill real estate investors than any other bad habit you can have. it's the whole idea of, well, I'll go look at houses tomorrow. If you want to be a success in this business, there are really just a couple of things to do. One, you've got to see a lot of houses. Two, you've got to make a lot of offers. Buy a house a year for 10 years, and you'll be able to do things other people will never be able to do. It's just that simple. So why don't we do this? It is now 12 noon. I see that on my computerized clock here and this is a good time for us to have an intermission. So I'm going to right here do this and guess what time it is. We're going to take a four minute break. I'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. So um, I, ju- I got a, a very nice email from a very nice person uh, who's about my age. This movie came out, I'm guessing, in 1950s, 57. Oh, 58. It was 1958. And um, this was in Technicolor, which meant it was the widescreen screen which at that time was a relatively new procedure. I mean, it was a big deal to get the big wide screen. And it, was, it is just a delight to the eye. But I got a communication from one of our friends of this program who said, John, um, we've been watching your intermission here and it just sounded like so much fun. We'd never seen South Pacific. So we went out and rented the movie And it was wonderful. Well, of course it's wonderful. It's Rodgers and Hammerstein. Richard Rodgers is a great composer, was a great composer. He uh, had uh, an entire composition called Victory at Sea, which was wonderful. And of course, Oscar Hammerstein, um, a brilliant lyricist and a composer in his own right, um just fabulous so if you have not seen the movie south pacific you need to buckle your seatbelt and do it and i don't know where you'd i think you could just go to amazon probably and rent it for not much i mean i'm just telling you it's a wonderful show so and you should watch it with your kids this is back when movies were safe <laughs> you know <laughs> they There are certainly, um, bingo there, there are certainly many movies today that I would not want to take a young person to, but, um, South Pacific is safe, trust me. And James Michener, if you have never read any of his novels, they are simply remarkable, um, I just really am, I go back and read them again and again because they are so absorbing. Okay, Um, we are in the landlord hour. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is um, market inefficiency. So let's do that right now. Um, And then we'll find my friend, uh, my evil twin, Ian Robbins. And we'll talk about landlording a little bit, but I wanna talk about market inefficiency because um, you people um, don't believe the truth. And as a result, you're missing the truth because the truth will set you free. Watch this. All right, we've talked about this before. How do we find the deals? How do we find the opportunities to buy a house a little bit below market, say 10 to 15%? And how do we find a potential owner financing deal? How do we find a target area? I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on that, but a quick way I do it is set up Zillow auto notifications. Now I hate Zillow. Zillow is trying to run me out of business as a real estate broker. I'm hoping somebody runs them out of business because they literally want to become and are becoming a one-stop shop. Do you realize Zillow is a licensed broker in Georgia? Yes, sir. They have agents here, which is really weird. Um, But, The reason that I use Zillow is that it's better than Realtor.com, and it's better than the multiple listing service because it includes for sale by owners. Now, not all of them. There are plenty of owners who are too cheap to pay the $10. I think it's $10 a week. Is it $10 a week or $10 a month? I don't know. I have never placed a for sale by owner on Zillow. But whatever it is, it's cheap. And, and they get millions of views. It's unbelievable. Zillow's done a great job. And they got there first. Um, there's, there's no reason you and I couldn't set up an Amazon. We could call it Amazon. But Jeff Bezos has already done that. And the first person in a marketplace tends to be dominant and Zillow is simply dominant at this point. So I use Zillow um, and I tell it what I'm looking for and then I set up this automatic notification. So as soon as somebody puts something in to the Zillow system that matches my parameters, it automatically notifies me. Now, I do also use Georgia MLS. Why? Well, one, I have access to it. And there are times when the MLS and Realtor.com and Zillow don't communicate well. I don't know what it is about the interface, but I've seen things on Georgia MLS that were not on Zillow. How that happened, I do not know and I don't pretend to understand it, but um, if you are not a licensee, if you're not an agent in a company that has access to the MLS, you can become what's known as a virtual agent assistant, a virtual, you've all heard of a virtual assistant, where you hire a, um, a guy or a gal, a young person in the Philippines who speaks fairly good English, and they just do research for you and stuff like that. Well, the Georgia Real Estate Commission says that's fine as long as those people are not presenting themselves as a real estate agent or performing the activities of a real estate agent. So they can't do the negotiating. They can't show the property. Um, there's all there's a list of things they can and can't do. Okay. Well. I'm an investor and I don't wanna do any of those things, but let's say I am not a member of the MLS. All I have to do is find a friend who is, and let me say, I'd like to become your virtual agent assistant. And in exchange, I'll buy you lunch at McDonald's once a month. And uh, you let me attend the class. Just tell them my, my, my new virtual agent assistant here is John Adams and my payment arrangement is private. All you have to do is get it approved by the broker who they couldn't care less. And next thing you know, you can take a class and they give you your own login code for free. It does not cost anything more for an agent to have an assistant. It's all the rage now, okay? So that's a great way for you to get access to the MLS, Um, And at the same time, um, network with this friend, the real estate agent, you need to be networking with them anyway. I'm viewing the house then and I am estimating the repairs and the after repair value, I have to make a profit, if the shoe fits I wear it if the house fits I buy it or at least make an offer and we use a non binding letter of intent now why does this system work. Well, the reason it works is because the market is inefficient. What does that mean? The market is inefficient. Well, according to economic theory, an inefficient market is one in which an asset's prices do not accurately reflect its true value, sort of like in real estate, huh? And that may occur for several reasons, including human emotion, and lack of information. Notice I highlighted those in yellow because they're very important. In reality, most markets do display some level of inefficiencies. Now, here's my question to you. If you are buying gold, you want to buy one ounce of 999.9 999.9 purity gold and you're buying, you want it for just to have an ounce, um, maybe one of those US coins that's the, made by the, the uh, government. Um, it's extremely efficient for you to buy because everybody knows what the spot price of gold is today. So let me, um, I'm going to show you this. Let me get out of this. I'm going to, whoops, I want to get out of this here. And I'm going to real quick, just in Google, I'm going to put in current price of gold. And bingo, the gold price today is $1,744.90. Now, you could probably find it for a dollar less or a dollar more somewhere, but the point is, this is a published price. It changes by the minute. There are even places like this that have 24-hour spot prices. Seventeen forty-four ninety dollars is the most recent. See, and my point here is, No matter where you buy it, this is what you're going to pay. Margie, I'm going to need to take a little bit of a break here. So um, get yourself ready. Um, And so buying gold is extremely efficient. There's really no emotion in it. And there's no lack of information, assuming you're dealing with reputable um, uh, vendors, and I think you would be, uh, buying a new truck is reasonably efficient. An efficient market requires, among other things, that its participants have reasonably complete information on the relevant points. And I think that's real interesting because in buying a truck, guess what? Um, You can go on the internet and find out exactly what that dealer paid Ford Motor Company or Chevrolet Motor Division for that truck. And, um, then, you know, when you go in and they try to charge you an extra $5,000, you say, wait a minute, this truck only costs you this amount. Why am I having to pay $5,000 more? Well, now they have to justify it. So, um, there's no human emotion. There's no lack of information, but this is very interesting. Um, there's plenty, if you get on the, the internet and you want a brand new 2021 Chevrolet Silverado and you you can find out to the penny what the manufacturer charges the dealer, which gives you all the information that you need to negotiate. But is there emotion in dealing with new cars? I'm going I think I'm gonna change your mind here. When we come back, Margie's going to talk with you just a little bit before we get to Ian about um, um, some tax ramifications of things. But just watch this and tell me whether or not you think there's any emotion. And by the way, I may be crying. You good? There you go. Just you step through for me? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. If you want to grab your belongings. I
2: didn't do
0: anything. I'm just going to need you guys to follow me. But what
2: are we doing in here? More security.
1: My name is Sydney Karan. I was diagnosed with pediatric cancer when I was 14 years old.
3: Every time you buy a Hyundai, a portion of those proceeds go to childhood cancer research.
0: You help save my child's life
1: and the life of so many children. So I'd like to say thank you, except I would like to say it in person.
2: Hi! Hi. Oh my God, Can I hug you? I was not ready. I just for to want this. to thank you for owning a Hyundai. No idea.
1: Glad to be able to do that. It feels good.
0: <laughs>
1: That's pretty cool. Very, Very, this is I know okay. yeah. I just don't know how to get to the next slide there we go okay hello Ian
3: hi Margie how are you
1: I'm great I hope you are
3: I'm doing well and um I can help out with John's intermission I have a couple <laughs> of things I want to bring
1: up if you want me to no problem no problem um Well, yeah, let's go ahead. What have you been up to with your rental properties?
3: Well, I just wanna first comment on that commercial. I could see it's definitely a, a tear jerker and um, there's definitely emotion involved in markets and therefore markets are not efficient.
0: Well, and that's true. And, and it's it's interesting to me because as you can see from this particular slide, let's say you and I are driving along and by the way, I, you know me. I'm not trying to, uh, in any way, belittle Hyundai Motor Companies or is that who it was? Kia, somebody. Their charitable activities are wonderful, but the tear jerking, the the uh, heart rending. I, I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing, but it has nothing to do with the car. True, but they
3: are also letting you know that if you buy their car instead of somebody else's car, then um, you'll get an extra benefit, and so they're adding value in a different way. And boy, are they pulling on those heartstrings! And we, boy, you're
0: not kidding. You're not kidding. So emotion got sort of crept in there. But if let's say you and I are out uh, driving for dollars, and we see this duplex, and it happens to have a for sale by owner sign in the front yard. Where can we get information? Remember that an inefficient market often means a lack of information. So if you were just driving around, you and I saw this, what would we do first?
3: Well, we would first, if we could call, we would ask, the. I personally would ask what the person is asking for and try to get a little bit more into his, his or her situation.
0: Absolutely. And In addition to that, there are county records that we could go look at, theoretically give us the square footage, although um, I would like to actually measure that myself just because I've been surprised sometimes when I thought I had this many feet and didn't. Um, I'd like to know if it's a legal duplex. Sometimes they're not. I'd like to know why the seller is selling because that may give me... Um, a clue as to how I can help him move forward in his situation. So, you know, there's a lot of ways we can get information in real estate. And um, we were talking about inefficiencies. And I would like your thoughts on how these five D's of inefficiency that we're going to see here play into potentially buying this little house we see right here. How about death? Absolutely.
3: May not be planned and very much uh, an immediate situation to um, deal with because the mortgage still has to be paid.
0: Listen, I've done a study, Ian, and I found out nobody gets out of this world alive. Sorry. (laughs) We are all on a journey and we don't know, uh, you know, the scriptures tell us that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And we don't, you know, we don't know what's gonna happen. Obviously we hope everybody lives a wonderful long and, and, and fulfilled life and so forth. But death is part of that life cycle. And when it happens, it often involves of the real estate that was occupied by the person typically the family if they're not local doesn't want to have much to do with the house afterwards and there's going to be a, a change it's also not unusual and i'm going to ask if you've run into it have you ever seen a house where maybe a husband and wife lived here for many years the husband passed away eight or ten years ago And um, the widow was left on a fixed income, which may or may not have been adequate, but she was reluctant to spend a lot of money on maintenance because she wanted to make sure that she was gonna have money to pay for her necessities. And so when she passes away, the house really is not in saleable condition. No, it's
3: not. And um, I've had situations, John, where that person's uh, the the widow might then be experiencing health problem. Now you have a the children that show up, try to get mom to a different situation, and now you've got a house that needs maintenance um, as well. I mean, there's been deferred maintenance as well as um, they're just trying to get out of the situation and get mom somewhere else. And the house so, takes second fiddle to mom.
0: Absolutely, this is. And, and the reality is, and let me say this, because I know this from having dealt with seniors. Um, I was involved in, uh, I acted as broker, we sold 100 senior living, independent living condominiums in 18 months. At one time, it was the fastest selling condominium in the state of Georgia. Um, and it was 65 plus, or maybe it was 55 plus, I think it was. But invariably, Ian, I would get a call from a, I was the broker. I'd get a call from a woman who said, my pastor asked me to call you. I live here in Druid Hills and we have a four bedroom, three and a half bath house. And there's a carriage house out back. Okay. And, um, I, my pastor thought I should visit with you and take a look at Claremont place. And I said, well, we'd love to have you for lunch. And she said, well, what am I, what would I do with my house? And I said, well, I, I guess it might be a good idea to sell it unless you have a family member that wants to, to buy it or live there. And she said, no, they're all in Detroit. And, and this happens over and over. And you, finally meet this person. And she said, I have to be honest with you. Last week I fell in the basement and I couldn't get up. Yep. And I yeah. was there for eight hours before somebody came Oof. and it scared me to death or, um, she, uh, so, there was almost always Ian something that had happened that triggered, um, this person to say, you know what, it's time. And I saw this again and again and again. One lady was still trying to mow her own lawn. And she was like in her 70s. And the damn yard had a steep part to it. And she told me she nearly slid under the lawnmower.
3: Oh, that's sad. And I'll tell you what, John, going to your first example, that four bedroom house with the carriage house. I think 20, 30 years previous, that was a house of love with a bunch of kids and Absolutely. Kid to, had maybe grandkids come over. And it was a very functional house. It was great for that life cycle. doesn't mean it's not a great house,
0: but exactly. And as you, as you have so succinctly pointed out, the house doesn't know or care. The house <laughs> so, is still there. Absolutely, it it can can once again serve an extremely useful purpose and a happy purpose. And and so um, death, it's inevitable and it's one of the five D's. But wait, we Uh, think big on this program, it's in
3: North Jewett Hills. And what's going to happen really is someone's going to take that house. They're going to knock it down and build a four, a two million dollar mansion and get a higher and best use for that land. they might might
0: very well. So, and I've seen you and I've seen that happen a million times. Uh, number two is one of my favorites. And, um, one of the hard parts of growing up, um, is watching sometimes friends who come to the conclusion that they are no longer able to remain married. Um, it's it's just a very difficult time and there's often a lot of heartbreak involved and especially if they're kids and so forth. And right at the center of that sometimes is the house. And it's not at all unusual for the husband and the wife to fight over who keeps the house or who's responsible for the payments, or you know, that that's typically part of a uh, it's included in the divorce and what I have found is that typically especially if it's been an unpleasant divorce which unfortunately many are neither party is particularly happy living there after that there's emotional baggage if you know what I mean absolutely and and so I have been able to, I bought a house once. This is a true story. I bought a house once where the woman was awarded the house, but ordered to sell it. And she had to give like 37.6% of the proceeds to the husband. Okay. That was the court order. I don't know how they did that. And I went to buy the house and she said, could you, I made an offer and she said, could you make it a little less? I said, <laughs> right. why? She said, because I, my, I, my husband gets a portion of this and I hate him so much that I would be willing to give you the house for free in order for him to get nothing
3: oh that's crazy but you know what it, that's that's unfortunately the inefficiencies and the emotions involved and john it reminds me of lewis Grizzard that we grew up with and he said find a lady you hate and give her a house because that's what's <laughs> going to happen when you have a divorce
0: <laughs> so I, I i was uncomfortable in that position and i was afraid later i'd get sued by the husband so um i gave her a fair price and she took it and i was happy and she was happy but i i wanted to make sure everybody knows excuse me when she gave me the keys and walked out of that house she took that baggage with her it did not remain in the house That's a perfectly good house. I checked with the house and it did not know that there had been a divorce there. Uh, That's true. And we're not
3: taking advantage of people's situations where we
0: we are a symptom of their situation. We're not anywhere close to the cause of
3: the situation.
0: Excuse me. I didn't, didn't mean to cough right in your face there. Um, I should be wearing a mask. I think Uh, drugs and I don't know if you have seen it, a deal that I did just a couple of three years ago, a elderly woman widowed um, in a relatively new house, um, lost touch with reality. She had real bad hoarding uh, tendencies. I mean, she, the there were just barely trails through the rooms, and I'm not kidding. This was a mess. The roof had collapsed in the den. You could see daylight. There was water coming in when it rained. Um, the house was not that old, and it wasn't that bad, but it needed a little bit of everything, and uh, she had been She had no family in Atlanta. A daughter or a niece or somebody flew in, got her mother and took her to uh, Gainesville to put her in a a place that could meet her needs and called... um, who is the uh, home investors, the, we buy ugly houses. She didn't know what else to do. Saw a bulletin board, a billboard, and just called them. They came out. The guy said, um, I'll give you $50,000 for the house, and we can close in seven days. $125,000 neighborhood. And the lady said, I'll take it. Sure. She made it clear she wanted the $50,000 so she could buy cocaine. <sighs> wow. She told this home guy, I can get a lot of cocaine for $50,000. And he, he thought she was kidding. She wasn't kidding. So he didn't have the money to do the deal. He called me. And said, John, I've got a fabulous deal. If you'll give me ten thousand bucks, I'll assign the contract to you. Sixty thousand dollar house in a one twenty-five neighborhood. You better believe it. And for our
3: audience, we're listening to the right person, and John Adams, who I'm wouldn't tell- want a sixty thousand dollar house for? I mean, one hundred twenty-five for sixty thousand. How much repairs did it take there, John?
0: I think about twenty-five or thirty, and and it was a home run, and. <laughs> it but it was enabled by the grip of drugs on this person who unfortunately i assume was addicted to this stuff and all she could think about was when do i get my money when can i cash it in and i i think we have a terrible problem in this country with people who unfortunately uh abuse drugs i i take a lot of pills every day because <laughs> my doc tells me to but i try to avoid ones that are bad for me and one certainly ones that are addictive and so but this is a a real part of our society today it it creates inefficiencies in real estate Ian, do we see downsizing in our market? Absolutely, John. In fact, as a mover, I deal with
3: downsizing every day and it's a really big problem because uh, people do realize they have to scale down, but it's hard to get rid of everything. And thank goodness for uh, internet and Facebook marketplace and things like that, they can get rid of furniture, but people recognize anything from a master on a main is very important, no more steps so many reasons to downsize.
0: Well, Margie and I are at that stage and we have given it a lot of thought. We have 3,000 square feet here for two people and a little dog. And so we're thinking about downsizing to 4,000 square feet for two people and a little dog. I don't. There's something wrong when you downsize and end up with a bigger house. I don't understand it, but It's interesting that we're seeing two trends here. One is people are living longer and healthier than they did. My doctor told me that, I think it was 30 years ago, the number one um, indicator of heart conditions among men over 50, number one symptom was sudden death. And and you just had a heart attack and you died because people didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to react. They didn't have the heart compression, all of that stuff. Uh, but in addition to that, I think we're living healthier lifestyles and we're certainly living longer. And as a result, people, as you pointed out, somebody who had a four bedroom, three bath house that was full of kids, they don't need that anymore. No, nope, things the change. Other, yeah, the other thing that's interesting is you and I encourage people as as they look for opportunities, look for a split foyer, look for a split level, or a two car drive under garage that might have a little uh, granny suite, or or a uh, an in law suite or something, because we are seeing more seniors. Come to live with grandchildren and they want their own little place, but they also want the security of having some family right there.
3: Absolutely. Very important.
0: But this is just part of our uh, part of the inefficiency of real estate. And last but not least, Ian, I've seen people do some crazy things because of debt. Absolutely. I mean, crazy things. And people are so, I, I don't know, it drives them insane. And they get sometimes to a point where they just crack. And they say, I don't care what it takes. I've got to get away from this situation. And if if what it takes is to just talk to the first person you see and tell them here, just take over the payments on this house because I'm leaving on the midnight train for Georgia. Right. And you know, uh, but I, you, it's, you, it's you, a, go
3: ahead. Well, John, we talk a lot about books on this show. And uh, one book that I think is very important is Millionaire Mentality. And Millionaire Mentality, one of the concepts is that millionaires don't really need to impress people with what they own they, they know who they are and they buy quality but they don't overdo it and I've had tenant prospects show up in $60,000 cars with big um, payments and they want me to rent to them and I have to got to do it legally but I understand that the debt is going to eat up possibly my rent payment so um, people yeah. are a little bit out of control.
0: I see it every day where I'm out on 285. Now I'm driving, we recently made a new used car purchase. Okay. So sure. I'm driving a, what is it? A 2018 Kia Sorrento, which Clark Howard says has the least repairs of. Any car in the US, anyway, they recommended it as a value. And, and you let
3: somebody else drive it off the lot two years ago and take all that hit. And that's why everybody listening, that's why John's got the show because I, someone I paid, else took the hit.
0: I paid $13,000 cash on the barrel head for this car, and it's the best car I've ever owned. But I drive it out on 285 like I will this afternoon, Ian, and I'm seeing people who are in many cases driving their net worth. Their net worth is tied up in their automobile, which is going down in value, exactly. And people, I, I just say that not everybody listens to Clark Howard. Smart people do, but not everybody does and and debt is a very, very powerful emotional factor in some people's lives. I love the, uh, tell me again, the name of the book you recommend? Millionaire Mentality. All right, I'm going to ask you to send me an email on that because I'm gonna try to find it and buy it on eBay. Oh, I shouldn't have said that because now like 400 people are gonna go to eBay and buy it and run up the price. Anyway, um, it's interesting the way you described it because um, um, the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Wait, wait, Tom, that's right. that's so, I'm
3: sorry. It, it was The Millionaire Next Door. Okay, there is another okay,
0: book. Okay. Yeah. Well, right. I had the very good fortune to meet and talk with Mr. Tom Stanley, who wrote that book. He has passed now. and um, um, But he always said, that the number one car among self-made millionaires was a 2-year-old Ford um what was it a Ford whatever the big standard Ford is the i I don't remember now but it I went out and bought one just because he said it was popular Tom Stanley
3: knew what he was talking about
0: He did You don't need a Cadillac And what he said was The people that are always bragging He called them big hat No cattle Right (laughs) I think that's a Texas Texas analogy But folks um, Ian and I would just love For you to look here At these are Not things that We're happy being involved in, but they're part of our life in the United States today. And this is where inefficiencies in the marketplace creep in, especially in real estate. And um, it's it's just a fact that people are going to get divorced. People are going to die. People are going to need to downsize. People are going to be in debt. Some people are going to get dependent on drugs and make very poor decisions. So anyway, um, I thought that was interesting. And great point, John. Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I have got more things for us to talk about. Um, John, what? I wanna make a comment though on your list pendants,
3: if you don't mind. Yes, please, please do. So this being the uh, real estate coffee break, I got my coffee today.
0: Very good.
3: Your, your ending comment was, Uh, don't procrastinate. And that can really hurt you um, with all types of situations in real estate. My point as it relates to coffee in a very simple way, when I make my breakfast every morning, I don't procrastinate and I make the coffee first. And the reason is, is because that takes the longest. So by the time I prepare everything else, my coffee is ready. My point is when it's time to evict somebody or start the process. We can't procrastinate. We do talk about that a lot. It doesn't mean we're gonna end up doing it, but we have to start early. And then we don't have a situation where uh, we're, we're several months behind. We might be a few weeks behind and that's it.
0: You couldn't be more right. The, the- i make your coffee. There for... you go, me too, me too. Um, I, it's interesting because one of the things that I think has impacted me, and I don't know where I got this, was the idea that people should have a sense of urgency in their life. And that doesn't mean you have to be you know, hyper all the time, but I think it does mean that rather than being just sort of drifting from thing to thing, if you start an activity, with the end in mind, you're more likely to get to that. And if there's a sense of urgency, hopefully you will be less distracted by secondary and and unimportant things and have a greater likelihood of focusing on the target that you pre-selected. And I have just found that to be true in my life. I'm a big goal setter. I, I, you know, am constantly, I've got my to-do lists and all that jazz, but I I know what I'm trying to accomplish and I work in that direction. And I think procrastination, uh, I'll be, I will just share with you and our entire family. The biggest problem I have is getting my fat butt out of bed in the morning. If I had, if I had it to do, if, if, if I didn't have to do anything, I would just sit in bed all day long. Actually, I probably wouldn't. That would last like one day maybe, or, or maybe one hour, but, but I, you know, I am my biggest enemy. I have no competition. You have no competition. And interestingly, you and I are not competing because There are so many houses out there that need our help. Absolutely. uh, So that's what we're going to do. Okay. (laughs) And I appreciate
3: what you brought up at the beginning of the show with the subconscious, because if you have a fixed goal and then you focus on it, the the study of the mind basically says that you decide what you want and your subconscious will help you get there. And you really can take advantage of that
0: absolutely all right i am going to share with people if i can figure out how to do this which as usual i cannot here we go how do i stop sharing hmm oh i'm not sharing okay good well that'll this will solve that problem all right look at this kids And Ian, I'd sort of like your thoughts on this because I have never done this, but I came across this site. Obviously, these guys are in Dallas-Fort Worth, and they call themselves home-buying guys. And they say we buy houses in any condition, any situation. But look how they have fleshed this thing out, and I thought it was pretty smart. I don't know if they're getting any response. But, but they've got reviews, um, how to contact them, just a little bit about the company, um, and I don't know what they have press, but look at this. Get a cash offer today. How cool would it be for you to just look at your email one day and have somebody have sent in out of the blue their name, phone, and email, and then it says get my cash offer and you call them back and you already know that they're interested. Absolutely. Um, I also liked this um, from people in foreclosure, going through a divorce, relocating and can't sell their home. um, Those who own a vacant property they don't want to deal with to landlords tired of dealing with tenants, people who inherited a house they don't want good folks who lost their job and just can't afford the payment anymore and can't afford to pay a real estate agent their fees to sell it to people who owe more on their home than it's worth. Um, What we do is help people. And look at this sort of bill of rights. I like this a lot because I think it shows respect for the person who owns the home. Just because somebody is having some Personal problems or debt or something going on in their life doesn't mean they're not worthy of, of respect. They deserve to, refer, to receive fair treatment. They want to work with people who treat others fairly with respect. They need a quick solution that puts cash in their pocket right away. They shouldn't have to pay all of the extra cash for real estate agent fees, closing fees. And you and I both know Ian, those can be very substantial. Um, And they just wanna end the headache this house is giving them. And I think it's important for us as investors to remember that we are dealing here with human beings and human beings are the ultimate inefficient um, uh, part of the, the puzzle here because you never know what a human being is going to do. And we don't know. I have a bad habit of taking my glasses and putting them on or, or my helmet in my glasses, my little box, and putting my box on somebody else's head and saying, well, if I think this way, then surely they think that way too. And that is just not the case. And it's also not respectful to do that. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes we have to be a little intrusive, but I will say to somebody, tell, please tell me why you're selling. And they'll say, cause it's none of your business. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to continue to try to find out because there may be something there. I always say, um, you told me that the home is owned free and clear. Uh, Would you be willing to uh, receive a portion of your equity in a stream of monthly payments instead of a lump sum of cash? You mean be the bank? No, I would never do that. Okay, okay. Um, could you tell me what the what what you'll be doing with that lump sum of cash? None of your business. Well, I can't work with that person. I know, and you know, and everybody listening knows that that person's going to buy CDs with them. They're going to go right down to the bank. They're going to have the money wired to the bank. They're going to put them in CDs and leave the certificates right there in the safe deposit box because they're safe. Now, never mind that they're going down in value because of inflation, but that's beside the point. And if that's the case, I can give them some cash for their immediate needs. I can also offer them a five-year note. At say six percent, five, six percent. That is a much better return than they're gonna get in a CD right now. And what do they have as collateral? The house that they sold me. That's right. And you know, that can be a real win-win situation, but you've got to have a seller that cooperates with you when you you know what John.
3: the, the good part about all that is you have options ready to go and you're you're prepared and by doing your homework and, and talking to a seller you're at least giving him something or her to, something to think about and i imagine you've planted seeds before they said no and then maybe a week or a month or two months later they might say yes or have come I, back and said yes
0: yeah i always try to oh you know i have my business cards right here that say um if if you want to sell your house for whatever reason, are you in debt, blah, blah, blah. I leave them a couple of business cards, but I also try to reach out a week later and let them know that, you know, I'm still available. I still have an interest, obviously in a foreclosure situation, you've got a real hard deadline there, but I would just encourage people to go take a look at this. The, excuse me, the website is we buy houses fast in dallas.com and the other thing i they did that i thought was uh smart was they have this covid process and because a lot of people are really concerned about covid right now and it's interesting to me um, i've had my first shot and I haven't worn a mask in months. I just, I think I'm either, I've had it or I am immune. I don't know, but you know, we go down to St. Simons. Ian, on St. Simons Island, there is no pandemic. No, right? there's no social distancing. You're not allowed to wear a mask. If you put a mask on, hell, they'll arrest you. They, I am I mean, it's just not an issue there. <clears throat> so anyway, but I'm aware that a lot of people are quite concerned about it. And I thought this was smart. They just took some CDC stuff and and they said, here's what we will do. We will limit meetings and contact when possible. We'll use video. Um, we're able to do paperwork electronically, blah, 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 blah. And it just sort of positions them, I think, as um, uh, one, being respectful, and two, this is what we do.
3: And-, and I think, John, these people have done an excellent job of marketing because um, if somebody goes on this website and they have a real need, just like you say, by them putting their name and number in there, you've got leads coming to you, it's, and that's what you're looking for, and then you can have a dialogue. And it really is all about using better tools and better technology. And I mean, even this video you're showing here, I imagine that's probably one of the owners and that's very real. He's not being flashy. He's just trying to get them to give give him a good deal on the
0: house. Yeah. Well, and I notice he's not wearing a pink shirt. See, I look at me. I have a pink shirt. I've had my first Pfizer shot. I feel good. But look at this guy. I don't know what he's, anyway, um, this is under their uh, frequently asked questions. How do you determine the price to offer on my house? And I thought this, this is, I think everybody listening to this program should memorize this. Great question and we're an open book. Our process is very straightforward. We look at the location, what repairs are needed, the current condition of the property and values of comparable houses sold in the area recently. And that's the definition of being a real estate investor. And if you can't do those things, then you need to learn how to do them. And I've never met a successful investor who didn't have some combination of those skills, and there are people listening to this program right now who say, well, I'm, I don't know how to estimate value. Well, it's easy enough to figure it out. You can go on YouTube and say appraisal basics and there'll be hundreds of hours that will teach you how to do it. But um, this is interesting. And let's take a look real quickly at their sample. Oh, not found. That's not good. A dead end. Well, that's okay. Nonetheless, uh, these people get a an A plus. I think they did a good job, and uh, Ian and I would like to hear from anybody who may have used a website. This is legal, while bandit signs are not. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Don't tell. Don't tell anybody. All right. Uh, Ian, I'm going to give you the final
3: word here. Well, I have a question for you, John. You started out talking about Warren Buffett and you saw him getting off of a plane, and I just have to ask you: Were you flying around on a private plane in Orlando, or and you met him at the airport?
0: No, no, no. He here. Here's the picture. Okay. And um, what happened was he. He in, in his remarks, he is a very funny guy and, and very clever. And he got up, and everybody, the place was there were like 3,000 people there, and it was just, you could hear a pin drop. And the first thing he did, you'll love this, you'll love this. You know how people say on a microphone, they go tap, 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 testing, one, two, three? Yep. He said, Tap, tap, tap. And this was a very expensive audio system in a big hall. And they had people that, trust me, the mics worked. So he went up and very loudly went tap, 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 testing 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, (laughs) which just brought the house down. Um, And of course, that's what everybody's thinking when you see Warren Buffett. But he said, look, my life is just like yours. Um, I stop at McDonald's to get an egg McMuffin on the way into work. He said, we only have a secretary three days a week, so I have to make coffee two days a week. And he said, "Uh, I put on my pants just like you, one leg at a time. And he he said, the only difference between you and me is I travel better than you do. Right. and. And he said for years, he wouldn't even pay for first class. He just flew in coach and his board of directors at Berkshire Hathaway demanded that the company buy him a plane to take him around because he was wasting so much time doing commercial flights that it was costing him more in travel time and flight time and trying to make connections than the company felt was smart. So he does have his own jet. No, I was not on it, but uh, he said he had slept in his clothes. And, and that's why he was all ruffled. Margie actually took him aside and straightened out his clothes and helped him him get his hair straight. He has these crazy eyebrows that come out about six inches. And, and so she was trying to get those straightened out. But this is the president over here is the president of the company that they bought. And it's it's a big carpet company up in Dalton. And for the life of me, Ian, I can't remember it. But they're huge. And um, Warren Buffett, What was it? Oh, yeah. Shaw. Shaw Shaw. Industries. And his name was Shaw. I forget his, uh, Robert Shaw, maybe. I don't know. But um, Shaw Industries. And he said, uh, look, I want everybody to know we're not going to change anything. As part of Berkshire Hathaway's purchase of this company, we are requiring... That all of the senior management remain in place. That's part of the contract. And we want you to know that the people that you have counted on, the people who have made this a great company, are going to be here for years to come. And that's his every, model. It works. Yeah. Well, you can just you could feel a sense of relief over the audience because see, these were the retailers. They don't work for Shaw, but they sell Shaw carpet like crazy. And, and uh, oh, Kathy Ireland was there. Boy, is she good looking. Let me tell you, I, if you ever get a chance to see her, I mean, she's no spring chicken anymore, Ian, and she still looks good. Well, I, you know what I, I said to... when, I, when I walked up, She there was a receiving line. I walked up and she said, hello, and I said, you look marvelous.
3: Very good. <laughs> no,
0: no, I did not. Ian, it's time for us to get out of here. And um, I'm going to find us some traveling music by doing 214 and hitting enter. And here it is. So let's get out of here. Folks, that's the 3-0 Mark IV the John Adams Radio, radio Podcast Show. On behalf of my equal twin Ian Robbins, I'm John Adams, reminding you your financial future, not a matter is. of chance, it's a matter of choice. Sometimes so long, I everybody.